Welcome to the podcast edition of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. I'm your host, Pat Braden, broadcasting to you over the virtual airwaves from the Love Shack studio here in the heart of Old Town Yellowknife Northwest Territories. Now, I'm a bass player, Chapman stick player, singer-songwriter, and I've been playing music throughout the North since about 1977. As a young musician, I was caught up in the explosion of popular music in the world through the 1950s, 60s, and 70s. As I got older, I thought there must have been the same thing happening up here, just in a different place and on a different scale. So in 2003, I started to interview the older players who taught me most of what I know today, and many more musicians that I'd only ever heard of. My intention was to have an accessible and free place where anyone could go to learn about these players and the musical times and the lives that they lived. Over the years, I've collected 30-plus interviews and created an archival website at www.musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. Some of these interviews are quite long, so I wanted to bring the core of their stories to a more accessible format. So I created this series of podcasts to continue the celebration of the musical lives of these northern musicians who performed in northern Canada from the 1950s through to the mid-1970s. Thanks for tuning in. Please send any questions and comments to me through this website. I hope you enjoy this podcast episode of Musicians of the Midnight Sun. While I was building the Musicians of the Midnight Sun website, I was talking to a friend who challenged me to interview some of the women who played music in the North in those early years. I immediately thought of Elsie Berger, who I met a few years back. Elsie and I instantly found common ground as musicians and as bass players. It felt like I was talking to my sister. Elsie moved from High Prairie, Alberta to Fort Smith Northwest Territories in 1959 with her four children to join her husband. It wasn't long before she started to play with the local musicians there and in Fort Providence and in He River. They settled in Pine Point, where Elsie played in the Pine Point Hotel through the 1960s and 70s with her band, The Pine Tones. In October of 2018, I was in Edmonton after just coming off a short tour. I booked a flight to Saskatoon and rented a truck for the drive to where Elsie was living in Nipawan, Saskatchewan. As I looked at the map, I realized that I would be driving right past my hometown of Rostern on the Louis Riel Trail. The next day, I met up with Elsie and her daughter, Elsie Jr., and over the next four hours, reveled in her laughter and joy as she regaled me with her musical life story. At the time of this interview, Elsie was 87 years old. Well, we lived on a farm, and Dad says, My girl, I was 10 then. He says, I want to teach you the guitar chords. And he says, so you can play with me. He says, when I go to dances or weddings and country halls. And uh, by the time I was 12, that's, that's when I started actually accompanying him. When we'd practice, you know, at home every once in a while, he'd give me, you know, the right chords and which to use and which, when to change. And, so one time I made a little slip and used the wrong chord, or hit the wrong chord. He tapped me on the shoulder with a fiddle bow. He says, 
Smarten up, smarten up, there you say. <laughs> he was always so kind and gentle, you know. So, anyway, we'd, we'd play at these uh, Ukrainian weddings, sometimes three, four nights straight, you know, and then in the meantime, well, you know, spring work is going in the fields, eh? And so, anyway, Dad, he never refused, you know. He, he loved all those people anyway, and they sure liked him. And they'd come back at our place. Well, first of all, I mean, uh, we'd, we'd get home maybe 5 o'clock in the morning. And we had this old uh, 46 Ford pickup truck then. You know, they were pretty narrow, eh? And uh, loose wheel and bad muddy roads, either that or rough. So he'd, he'd be half cut too, of course, you know. <laughs> and I'd, I'd be tired and sleepy. <laughs> and he'd be driving away talking, you know, and I could barely hear him, you know, because he's swinging. And then he'd bump me on my shoulder every time he'd be turning that loose wheel. <laughs> he'd say, well, my girl, he said, it's daylight in the swamp. He says, time to feed the pigs and milk the cows and that after we got back home. Get only, only about two hours sleep, and then in the evening they'd be back again. August, you come play some more music for us? Lots to drink, lots to eat. <laughs> so that was then, and then... Uh, Where did you grow up? Where was your farm? Uh, High Prairie, Alberta. It's uh, about 250 miles northwest of Edmonton, approximately. And when you say you were started playing at 10 and 12 years old, what, what years would those have been? Well, I'm 57 now. Uh, 57. <laughs> I wish I were. <laughs> I'm 87 now. <laughs> well, you were born in 1931, weren't you? Yeah. And then, uh, you know, as the uh, others, members of the family, started growing up, See, the youngest of the boys, the oldest, I mean, of the boys was three years younger than me. So I was Dad's handyman, you know, on the farm. But then after they started, you know, getting a little older, they were all interested in music too, especially the fiddle and guitar. But my brother Swede, was, he was the singer. And uh, so we, we had a five, six-piece band going, you know. But sometimes, well, in order to give someone a break, well, there'd be just three at the time, you know, up on the stage, and uh, then we'd change around again and get a chance to dance. And then Dad had called Casey. Casey was uh, the oldest boy. Here, you take the fiddle, he says, I want to dance. He says, play a waltz. So he got Mom, oh, gee, they used to dance so nice, you know. They even used to step dance, too. At jigs. Boy, they were good. And my mom was quite a heavy woman. But boy, she was light on her feet. So, yeah, you're, you're about 12 years old and you're playing a lot of uh, uh, Ukrainian, Ukrainian dances. So it sounds like there's <laughs> oh, yeah, a lot of Ukrainians yeah. up in uh, uh, Poplar View is uh, the area where mostly uh, Canadians lived. Well, as, as we formed... Uh, a bigger band, family band, well, we'd play at uh, dance halls in High Prairie and 
bar jobs and so forth. Dad and I were playing in, at a job, just the two of us that time. And then while I was using, uh, you know, and you're playing the key of G instead of, you know, going way up, and you play more or less like a sort of a bar chord mixture, you know, and, and then I'd, uh, I'd give some uh, fancy sounds, eh? And Dad turned around and he says, my God, he says, I sure like that chip-chip. <laughs> <laughs> we were playing a good foxtrot then, eh? Gee, it makes me feel good, he said. <laughs> of course, he was half cut, too. <laughs> See, there was no such thing as uh, drinking during the dance or in the hall, eh? But you know, the young guys, come on, Uncle August, he says, come on out with us. You know, so they'd, they'd get him, they'd get him loaded out there and just raring to go again when it was time to start up again. <laughs> he was quite a man. I sure loved him a lot. Uh, we were so close because we, we worked together since I was 10, actually. Out in the yard, heck, we had livestock, you know, and chickens, turkeys, field work. We had three-quarter sections, plus uh, a 12 uh, river lot, 12 acre, they called it a river lot, besides the three-quarter section. Lots of rock picking, too, stone boat eh, and pulled by the horses. We had a big log house that uh, they built in 1916. His dad and uh, his two brothers and dad. And it was T-shape, part of the building like this, and then there was a T that went the back. But this was the front side here, and there was a big veranda, full, full length of the house, eh? Oh, we'd have barrels of water there, you know, sitting there. And, but that's where we'd go and play music out on this uh, veranda, yeah. called it. So anyway, Mom, she was really uh, strong, you know, in the Catholic Church. And, well, Dad, he was always cool-headed, you know. <laughs> he had music in his head more than anything else, just like me, I guess. And anyway, this one Sunday, friend of ours, neighbor, came by and says, Well, August, how much seating did you do today? And Dad said, Oh, we, I went to church this morning, he said. I like to hear the nuns sing. <laughs> <laughs> and, then, and then one, uh, <laughs> one New Year's Eve night, you know, we, no, Christmas Eve, Midnight Mass. Dan's brother Charlie came over, and he liked Dad too, you know, and came over with a bottle of rye. He knew that we'd be going to Midnight Mass, eh? And he said, August, he says, uh, what are you going to do tonight? Oh, Dad says, we got to go to church. Well, he says, I'll come with you. I guess he had a Mickey on him too, besides. Anyway, oh, these nuns were really singing well, I'm telling you. So they're always in the back there, eh? 
So dad, he had this prayer book, I guess, and he went back there, you know, and stood behind these nuns, you know, and he was just waving his, he, he was loaded too, you know. <laughs> and then one would solo, and then dad tap her on the shoulder. He said, okay, your turn, take it, he'd say. <laughs> Uncle Ambrose Joven, he wasn't really a, a close uncle, maybe second or third or something like that, but we loved him like our own uncle. Eh? But he was quite a card. And then he was sitting across the aisle from where Charlie was, and Charlie was sitting like this, like there's rows of, you know, pews up here in the aisle here. And he was <laughs> sitting like that, and and Uncle Ambrose was sitting across the aisle from him, and uh, he he saw this uh, Mickey sticking out of Charlie's pocket, so he ripped the prayer book page off there and went and covered up that Mickey. <laughs> <laughs> oh boy, a lot of crazy stuff. <laughs> it's pretty hard to forget some of them. And then uh, after I got married and we moved up with my ex-husband. We moved up to uh, Fort Smith where he got a job and then I joined uh, a group there. Did you ever uh, meet uh, Ward Lamroux, great steel guitar player? Oh boy, he was he fantastic. He was Fort Smith, Mom? Ward Lamroux? He was then. For a while, yeah. Yeah, yeah he was working for the forestry. He was transferred to Providence before we were. So anyway, uh, we we formed a trio in uh, Providence, and we used to go play music in uh, Hay River. And one time, someone's son got married. No, their daughter got married. And a close friend of ours, McClure's. Did you ever meet the McClure's? Recognize the name. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Yeah. Anyway, they lived in Hay River. And we were close friends with him, you know. And, uh, oh, heck, it was early winter, and there was an awful storm going on. And then this Cessna 180 was the one that was transporting us, and uh, that was owned by uh, the son-in-law of uh, McClure's. So he came and picked us up. But the bull fiddle wouldn't fit in there, so they had to they had to take the uh, pull the handle off, you know, right where it was glued onto the uh, base of the uh, fiddle. Oh, you're kidding! No. <laughs> yeah, and it was storming, and gee whiz, I'm telling you, I was nervous. So, so yeah. the yeah, they had to take the neck off the body. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty scary. And then, and then they had to, you know, they only had a few hours in order to have it uh, set set in again. Mm -hmm. So in the meantime, they were practicing and I couldn't do anything <laughs> until dance time. <laughs> so Boy. this was going from Fort Providence to Hay River yeah. in a little plane? Yeah. Yeah, see the, uh, the passage on the, on the river was just in between ferry and uh, ice bridge time. We weren't using that. I mean, it had to be planes or nothing. 
How did you get a bull fiddle in the mid 1940s? Do you know how you got that instrument there? My brother Casey. Casey was uh, the top fiddler of the uh, of the three boys. Uh, gee whiz, I don't remember now how he how he got hold of it. But then anyway, he sold it to me for. Uh, I don't remember, fifty dollars or something like that. He played. He paid lots more for it, and I was really happy to have it. Well, I mean, he preferred playing the fiddle anyway. I'm always really interested in how the the, the instruments came to be in these really quite remote places, and oftentimes yeah. that's even a story unto itself. How it sort of made its way across the ocean, or. Uh, however that is, but anyways, you had a you had a you had a bull fiddle, and, and you took it all the way to Fort Smith with you, and then all the way to the yeah. river as well, and kept playing it. Uh, Fort uh, Fort Smith first, yeah, and then to uh, Providence, I used it there. And then you must have bought then, a new one somewhere in there too. Yeah, I I traded that in one time when uh, your dad and I went to Edmonton, and uh, got a newer one. So but it still didn't have near as good a sound as the old one. Would that bass have had gut strings? You would have been using gut strings? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. The old one. She you started know. lead guitar when she was 64, or 60 or so. Yeah, uh, there was a close friend of mine. Uh, he was a great musician, and uh, he was a very good teacher, too. Like teaching me bar chords, and uh, I had an awful time with bar chords, though, at first. And then uh, he said, it's much easier if you, if you want to play some instrumentals. He says, you've got to have those bar chords. So anyway, about the time he figured, you know, that I'd be good enough to go on my own, then he says, well, he says, I think you're ready, he says, to, you know, teach yourself. He says, I know you have a good ear for music, and because I'd always listened, you know, to the uh, instrumentalists that I really liked. I always, uh, you know, had this strong desire to, uh, to learn to play uh, instrumentals, like, you know, the 60s and 50s, you know, that kind of instrument, fireballs and uh, Dwayne Eddy, and um, the ventures, yeah. walk, don't run. I have some of them. Actually, I have more uh, instrumentals than uh, vocals on on the, any of my CDs. Uh, I don't know why. I always figured, you know, supposing I can't play the guitar anymore. So I wanted, I wanted to learn to uh, play a whole lot of them. Well, you're missing a whole bunch. So oh, the last, yeah. <laughs> the last place you were at, you're in High Prairie, and then Fort, Fort Smith, and then Fort Providence, and then from Fort Providence, you said you had that, that trio, right? There was Ward Lamaru, you said, you and who else? <laughs> what the heck? There was someone that was, some of their family member, uh, McClure's. It was a young fella anyway from uh, Fort Providence. 
So with that trio, you would play Hay River. Would you go as far as Yellowknife or Fort Simpson, or did you just stay mostly? No, just in the general area. Yeah. Yeah. Hay River there. was the farthest we went. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> I'm interested in what kind of music you were playing when you started playing with your father, and then how uh, you, you, as old as time, you, old time. So yeah, the titles of some of those songs that you would be playing. Um, oh, gee whiz! There would be a lot jig, of jigs and reels and most yeah, most of them. Uh, I don't think Dad even knew the titles of a lot of them. He played Red River Jig. I remember that. Oh, definitely, Red yeah, and Red River Waltz, and lots of foxtrots too, you know, oh, because sure. people like to, you know, swing, especially the younger generation. In High Prairie, after the war, we're still living in High Prairie until 1959 was when we moved to Fort Smith. I definitely remember that year. And then when we moved to Fort Providence, it was two and a half years after that. 52, I guess, we moved to Fort Providence. 62. And, or 62, yeah. Playing in Fort Providence, I think you were still playing with Ward. Ward Lamoureux. And uh, do you remember any of the other musicians around? Not yet. Not yet, okay, <laughs> okay, that's fine. <laughs> I'm just thinking of the Richard Lafferty's and, um, gosh, who else would have Well, it could have been, could have been one of the Lafferty's visiting from Simpson. He was a good guitar player. There was a horn player and a pianist that we that we were to join for that uh, wedding in Hay River, and I don't remember their names. And we'd never played with them before. <laughs> when, that's when you had to pull your bass fiddle apart. That's the time, yeah. When you moved to Pine Point, how much of the town, how much was it um, developed or established? Uh, then, maybe 150 or something like that. But uh, eventually uh, it became uh, more like 250. You know, a lot of Saskatchewan people moved up there. Some were electricians and some were, you know, trained and also welders and... So you were you were playing music in Pine Point there as well. Yeah. Where where would you have been playing in Pine Point? The bar, and there was a dance hall in there too, eh? the mess hall. They'd have dances in there, like New Year's dance. Holy, all the ladies, everybody, just in long gowns and all dressed up in suits. So I made myself a long gown too, you know. <laughs> I did a lot of sewing, and I was playing music. And Irene O'Neill, she was uh, an accordion player. And then uh, there was a young drummer that was from Hay River. And then I had my uh, bass fiddle. Who the heck played rhythm guitar? Can't remember now. But anyway, we formed formed that band and used it, I suppose, maybe stayed together for a couple of years or something like that. And then uh, Irene decided uh, that she didn't want to play anymore. So some young fellas, uh, Leon Blay, he was an organist. He also played uh, an accordion. 
once he was in a from while. Saskatchewan originally, I think. Yeah, eh? yeah, from Debden. And see, there were the Schrader brothers, Lloyd, he was our lead singer, and uh, I did a lot of the singing too, and then also sang harmony to him. And his younger brother, he was only 17. Tim? Timmy, yeah. Always, I used to call him my little Timmy. He was really a nice kid too, and a good drummer. Boy, could he ever drum. He used to do time is tight, and you know, he'd do lots of uh, drum soloing in some of the tunes. Lead guitarist was Bob Fontaine. All those boys were from Doomtown, they called it, Debton. Debden. But Bob was a really gentleman. Really. You know, every time Leon went to talk to him about anything, he'd always speak in French. And Bob would answer back in English because I was there, you know, in respect to me. And, you know, they're, they're all just like, uh, you know, my, my boys in, in uh, ages and that. The oldest was 20, 24, that was Leon. And Bob was 20, I think, and uh, Lloyd was about 19, I guess. Timmy the drummer was 17. And we were called the Pintones. So you were almost like a... She was a leader of the band. Leader of the band as, 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 as far how as... About, how about ownership of equipment, too? <laughs> yeah. Who's <laughs> the responsible one. <laughs> yeah, I owned my own bass. I owned three guitars. See, when they first started, they'd have to use my guitars, eh? So, you know, as time progressed, well, they made a little bit of money and because uh, some were working in the mine. And then they uh, bought their own guitars then. But the amplifiers, PA system, everything, microphones, that was all mine. And a great big bass amp. Because uh, I started off with a, a bass fiddle and I found that pretty rough to uh, to do some of the kind of tunes we were doing. So I decided to turn it in for bass guitar and amp. Basement amp is what it was. When I pulled out, I loaded the, I had a van that I had, I had paid for myself you know, for my job there. And the van was just loaded with musical equipment. There's three guitars laying on the bed there and of course a big basement amp and all the rest of the stuff. And I'd, I'd sleep with my guitars. <laughs> I would like to thank Elsie for sharing her rich musical life story with musicians of the Midnight Sun. To hear more, see photographs of her life and the full interview transcript, check out musiciansofthemidnightsun.com linked in the show notes. You can follow along as well on Facebook and Instagram. If you would like to support the continuation of this project, please donate it on our website, musiciansofthemidnightsun.com. I would like to thank the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee and the Northwest Territories Creative Industries Economic Recovery Fund for supporting this podcast series. 
and to thank the Northwest Territories Arts Council, Government of the Northwest Territories Department of Education, Culture, and Employment, the Yellowknife Community Foundation, and the City of Yellowknife Heritage Committee for supporting the website so far. A full list of supporters can be found on the website. The archival audio of this podcast is from the Northern Musicians Project Collection at the Northwest Territories Archives. I'm Pat Braden. Thanks for listening.